Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, would you do this trade? It's bandwagon season, and don't look now, but Marcelo Zuna is red hot. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We, you, we ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the Sirius XM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E of Bleacher Report was commenting on one trade that every team in the NBA should go after, okay? And he's talked about the um, Jalen Brown trade to the Atlanta Hawks, right? I mean, that they should go and try to get themselves Jalen Brown. Quote, if we operate under the assumption that the Atlanta Hawks are married to Trey Young, the, the sorry, the Trey Young-DeJounte Murray duo, then they can justify substantial upgrades at every other position on the roster. Jalen Brown impacts the game at both ends, unlike any other player on the roster. And he says that they should unload all draft capital possible to land Brown, um, who's obviously a Georgia native um, um, playing for the Celtics, second team NBA. All right, All right, we got it. $32 million is what he is owed this year, okay? So in the NBA, you've got to sort of make the money match up. You don't have to do dollar for dollar, but you got to get pretty close in the NBA when you're going to trade players. So he's owed $32 million. So a trade was proposed on um, uh, soaring down south, and, and this is a very interesting trade. So here's what they propose. The Hawks get Jalen Brown. The Hawks give up John Collins, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnson, the 15th pick this year in the draft, and a future first-round pick. Collins, Griffin, Johnson, two first-rounders for Jalen Brown. Now, okay, I know what everybody's going to say, right? Oh, well, that that's... The, the 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 draft capital is is you know too much. Okay, uh, again, whoever's going to get picked fifteenth for the Hawks this year in the draft this year, guess what? Do not pass go. Immediately report to College Park. So that player is going to end up a Skyhawk. He's not going to end up a Hawk. He's going to end up a Skyhawk. And fifteenth is a project. That's all that that is. So that doesn't matter. The two first round picks don't matter. And given our track record of some of the first-round picks that we've had, doesn't really matter. I, I, I'll obviously take a Jalen Brown. John Collins, I don't think anybody would argue about, okay, you know, it's time to move on, and you know we figure out a way to, to move his contract and all the good stuff. He's owed $75 million, no real issue there. Where it does get to be interesting is if you include A.J. Griffin and Jalen Johnson, our number one picks from the last couple of years. Now, look, I, 
my producer on my radio show was like, well, it's a lot to give up. You know, how do you make those guys work and all this, that, and the other? Okay, here's the thing. All right. Would I do this deal? Well, let me ask you for, let me say first, would the Celtics do this deal? Probably not. But would I do this deal? Collins, Griffin, Johnson, two first round picks to get Jalen Brown um, in a heartbeat. In fact, I'll drive everybody to the airport. Here's the reasons why. Okay. Well, you know, how do we play, you know, Brown and Murray and Trey all on the, you figure it out. You, you figure it out. I've got a coach being paid championship level money. I've got a coach that is making the same amount of money that guys with NBA titles are making. You figure it out. If Quinn Snyder is this genius and he's being paid to be a genius, then you figure it out. And I play Brown at the small forward, Murray and Trey in my backcourt, and I roll. Now, as far as the young guys go, okay, that still leaves you Capella, Hunter, Okongwu, Bogey. You still have pieces around Trey and Murray and Brown. It's not like you've gutted your whole roster. You're getting rid of a guy that you want to get rid of anyway, and you're getting rid of a guy that, let's let's face it, down the stretch, hit that rookie wall. And Jalen Johnson did some nice things in about 12 minutes a night. I'm not saying that those guys don't have upside, but guess what? They're not second team, all NBA. And I know a lot of people are going to poo poo this kind of trade, but first off, you're not going to get a second team, all NBA player for fish heads and rice. You're not getting one of those guys that makes a difference on both ends of the floor for nothing. Why would the Celtics give up nothing to get rid of Jalen Brown because you're going to trade him. Now, do I think that Jalen Brown is going to sign a super max deal? I don't, I don't think he's going to sign with the Celtics, but if you're going to trade for Jalen Brown, you're going to have to offer him the super max deal. And guess what that number is? That number is $290 million, 290. Well, I don't know if he's worth it or not. Okay. But he qualifies for it. He's a second team all NBA player. He qualifies for the Supermax. Somebody's going to give him the Supermax. Either you're going to give it to him or some other team is going to give it to him. And Jalen Brown's going to be with that team for $290 million. So look, <laughs> you bring on Jalen Brown, you're in, in 32 million and then Supermax, you're full bore in the luxury tax. You're neck deep. You're this high in the luxury tax at that point. So you ain't got no excuses at that point. I'd do this deal in a heartbeat to get my hands on one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Oh, well, he hasn't played well against the, you know, the Miami Heat. Who cares? Who cares? The Boston Celtics are the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. A big reason for that is Jalen Brown. They're the number two seed. You know what happens if we get Jalen Brown? We instantly become a top three seed. Because they have Murray and Trey and Jalen Brown and Capella and Okongwu and Hunter and Bogey, and I still have all these guys. We instantly become a number three seed. I'd do this trade in a heartbeat. I, would, I, I wouldn't think twice about doing a trade like this. And I'll give him the Supermax deal. You're not going to get better cutting and scraping by and bottom of the barrel shopping. 
You got to get stars. You need more stars on your team. We need more players. How much do we complain about all these years? Well, we don't have guys to surround Trey with. Okay, here's a guy to surround Trey with. I would love to make a deal like this. And and I listen, certainly the Hawks have the capital. Hunter, Capella, Collins, right? They have the capital to make a deal like this happen. That's not the problem. The problem is going to be is Tony Ressler willing to dole out $290 million. You got one super max player on your team. Is he willing to give out $290 million? Because that's the extension that you're looking at for Jalen Brown. That's a lot of scratchhole to give out. Now, would it make sense? Because that's the whole thing about Tony Wrestler. Well, it's got to make sense. Well, you're a championship caliber team and you're a top three seed in the East. Yeah, it makes sense because you're not going to get better just by scraping the bottom of the barrel, sludging, you know, just muck and mire and stuff. You got to get stars. We got to have more high caliber players. And with Murray, Young, and Jalen Brown, you don't think that's a formidable three? You don't think that's a fun three to put out there on the court? Absolutely. I'll I'll do that deal in a heartbeat. Even giving up my young guys, even giving up, I mean, John Collins, not a big deal. Two first-round picks, who cares? We just sent five second-rounders in the Sadiq Bay trade. Five. Five second-rounders that we sent. Nobody has any value on second-round picks. Nobody barely has value on first-round picks, unless you're telling me that we pick one, two, three. And every time you make a trade for one of those picks, they're all lottery-protected. Oh, they're, 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 we can't get our hands on that. So what good does it do? If you're picking 11th in the draft, how often are you finding star players? Give me Jalen Brown all day long. And if I have to give up Collins, Griffin, Johnson, and two first-rounders, brother, I'll do that in a heartbeat. I'll drive every – I'll Uber everybody to the airport in a scenario like that. Let's make it happen. I would love to see Jalen Brown become an Atlanta Hawk at the end of the day. All right, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Listen, Built Bar's got you covered with the best tasting snacks, low-calorie, low-sugar, low-carb, whopping 17 grams of protein at only 130 calories. We've got you covered with all the great snacks. Now, though, we're giving you a couple of different options for how to buy. So new flavors are coming out every single month. Try the traditional protein bars or the protein-infused marshmallow puffs. Either way, the products are great, but now you can either go to built.com and order your box of built bars, get them shipped directly to your door, or now you have the option <coughs> of heading to the pharmacy section of Walmart and picking up your box of built bars or going to Sam's Club. So whether you go the brick and mortar route, going to the Sam's Club, going to Walmart, getting your box of built bars instantly, or you want to from the comfort of your home, go to built.com and order and have them shipped right to your door. No fuss, no muss, no nothing like that. Built Bar's got you covered all the way around. 130 calories, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, but that whopping 17 grams of protein. Try Built Bar's today. Go to built.com or go to Walmart and Sam's Club now to get your box. So it's bandwagon season. So Adam Shine of the, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it's Shine because he does the Shine at nine. Adam Shine 
is an NFL uh, NFL.com columnist. And he puts his nine, because he does his nine, I don't know what the, the deal is with him, whatever like that, but NFL bandwagons to hop on. These are teams, coaches, players, things like that, right? So he talks about, you know, these are the teams and the and the players and the coaches, things like that, that everybody should be jumping on their particular bandwagon, right? Okay. So here's who's number one on this list. And that is, quote, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, quote, I think the this is the NFL's sleeper squad in 2023. While I named the rival Saints my Cinderella team after signing Derek Carr, I believe both NFC South teams can win 10-plus games this year. He goes on to say, first of all, I'm a big fan of Arthur Smith. Despite going 7-10 and 10, his first two seasons in the big chair, Smith is a fabulous coach. The third year will indeed be the charm given the growth and upgrading of the roster. Second-year quarterback Desmond Ritter has a true chance to be solid under Smith's watchful eye, especially with the NFL experience gained since his third-round selection in 2022. And then he goes on to talk about, uh, you know, quote from Desmond Ritter and, you know, talking about the roster, Robinson, London, Patterson, Pitts, all this good kind of stuff, upgrading the defense, Calais Campbell, Daniel, uh, David Onyemata, uh, Bud Dupree, Caden Ellis, Jesse Bates, things like that. And he ends it with this, quote, in an NFC South that's in flux, the Falcons are poised to rise up. So are the Falcons the bandwagon team, the Cinderella team? Cinderella story out of nowhere, right? Are they that Cinderella team? You know, I guess. I mean, again, we've talked about their ceiling and their floor. I don't think that there's any reason to think that at the very bottom they would find themselves seven or eight wins. I, I don't think they were. I don't think they're a worse team than seven or eight wins. And I think the ceiling for them is that 10, 11 range window, right? Again, I don't think they're. 12 and 5, 13 and 4. Like, I don't think they're that kind of team this year. Could they be? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's the NFL. You're playing a last place schedule. Anything can happen to it. But it is interesting that we're seeing more of these national media folks that are coming around. It seems like that there's not a lot of middle ground when it comes to the national media. Either they're 100% on board with the Falcons and what they can do or they look at them as the worst team in the NFL, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> like there's no, there's no kind of happy medium about, well, they could be nine and eight and in, in win the South and all that kind of, no, it's either they're winning the division as a double digit win team, or they're still going to be a six, seven win team. But it is interesting that there are national media folks that look at the Falcons and the way they've built this roster that they have certainly upgraded. So that's a good sign. That, that people are catching on to the idea of that we haven't just made token moves to try to help build the roster. We, we've definitely made some upgrades, right? And all the players that he mentioned, you know, Onyemata, you know, Clays Campbell, they're all upgrades at, over guys that we've had over the last couple of years. And we were able to sign some of our own guys, right? McGarry, first and foremost, extending Lindstrom, bringing back a Lorenzo Carter. I mean, guys like that, I mean, you know, they may not be major players for the, you know, the Lorenzo Carter case, but still those are guys that can contribute to your roster and, and guys that when you bring them back, they know the system, they know the defensive system. And even though it's a new, you know, going to be some new schemes and things like that with, with uh, Ryan Nielsen, 
they they certainly have the familiarity with the organization. So look, all good in Falcons land. Are the Falcons the bandwagon you know team to jump on? Hopefully, I would love to see that the Falcons become that bandwagon team that everybody gravitates to. I, I expect that we'll see more of these kinds of columns from NFL people. And if they believe it, it, it all come down to this, <clears throat> do those nudniks believe in Desmond Ritter that he can get them to nine, 10, 11 wins, or do they think that he's a below average quarterback? You know, pro football focus has been kind of harsh about Desmond Ritter. They ranked him 31st. We talked about this earlier in the week, ranked him 31st. They don't see any real upside to him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And if he finishes 30, if he finishes 31st in the NFL and QB rankings, then we probably won't be a 10 or 11 win team. I don't think, I don't think he can be that low and, and we still have success. Now, again, he doesn't have to be one, two, three. He doesn't have to be the MVP of the league, but he's got to be competent. But with all of the offensive weapons, look, this will be the key as I, as I keep saying, and I'll go over and over and over it and pound it into your head. If we can be an elite red zone offense, be an, be an offense in the red zone that's 67% or better, touchdown ratio, 67%, two-thirds of the time when we're in the red zone, we score touchdowns, then we'll be a really good offense. There's no excuse for it. Not with Pitts <clears throat> and Johnu Smith and Robinson and Algier and all the guy, London, everybody we got. So, look, maybe the Falcons are that sexy team. Their win total from Vegas doesn't say that they're a sexy team. I think their win total is eight and a half this year. So that's not a very high number. But given the recent history of the Atlanta Falcons, that's certainly an improvement from what the four and a half that we had last year. So I, listen, jump on the bandwagon. You know, a lot of us are on there already. Hop on the bandwagon. I definitely think that this squad will be better. I definitely think we can win the NFC South. I'm not guaranteeing it, but I certainly think that we won't finish worse than above 500, which nine and eight always gives you a shot, right? Start with nine and eight and then see what happens from there. So if you want to come on the bandwagon, come join us on the bandwagon. All right, FDMA Kitten Hard with John Chuckery, your first listen. Make sure you go in and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener to the program. We like to call them our everydayers. And so leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on and let us know that you're an everydayer listening in five days a week. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community and being with us for this last year plus. So don't look now, but Marcelo Zuna is red hot. So he's had a couple of homers the last couple of games that the Braves uh, have played here the last couple of nights, <clears throat> driven in three runs. But for the month of May, and, and this is going to be kind of shocking, okay? For the month of May, he scored 15 runs. He's got eight homers, 19 RBI. He's hitting 343 with a, ready, 421 on base percentage. He does have nine walks in the month of May. Nine nine walks in the month of May, 746 slugging, 1.167 OPS. He's got three doubles and eight homers in total. Dare I say, and I and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but 
this is how it goes. He may be the player of the month. He may be the player of the month for the month of May. I don't, I don't know everybody who's done really well in May specifically, but if you're hitting 343 with an 1100 plus OPS, 420 on base, you got eight homers, 19 RBI, and there's still a few days in May. You know, if he's 10 homers and 25 RBI hitting 340 plus with an 1100 plus OPS, that's player of the month kind of numbers. Now, Again, this is not about, I don't think, increasing his trade value. Because, again, I still don't think that teams look at him as a commodity to bring on. I, I think that a lot of teams will say, eh, okay, it's a good month, but you know, show me what you can do over the course of a season. Because, again, he is owed another full year on his contract. So he came into this year being owed $37 million because it was two years at $8 million and then there was a $1 million buyout or something like that. So it was $37 million for his contract. So again, if you're trading somebody at the halfway point, you're going to have $4 million of money this year and then you're going to have the uh, $16 million next year and then you know the million dollars. So you're going to be $20 million into Marcelo Zuna. And again, that money's not like NFL money where you cut a guy, you you don't have to pay this or that, you don't have a full cap hit. No, you've got all the money that's owed to him. You're going to trade for him. And that's why it's been speculated that, look, if the Braves are going to trade for Marcelo Zuna, they want to trade him away, the Braves would have to pick up some of that salary. But for right now, and we discussed this a couple of months ago, look, Marcelo Zuna playing well is only good for the Braves. It's good for the Braves to have him play well. You want him to play well. Not even so much from a standpoint of trading him or this, that, and the other, but from a standpoint of the Braves will win games. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters for this club. Look, there's there's not angst between Braves players and Marcelo Zuna. He's not a cancer in the clubhouse. He's not ruining the chemistry that this team is built. He's popular among his peers. You know, again, you see the excitement, you know, they, they do the, you know, all the different things, the forearm bumps and all this kind of stuff. And right. And the, the, you know, this, that, I mean, you know, uh, they're doing all that. And so they don't have a problem with Marcelo Zuna. If he can play baseball, you know, it's the same thing with Barry Bonds. You know, did, did, did people personally like Barry Bonds? Probably not, <clears throat> but he showed up to the ballpark every day and he produced, and that was what mattered at the end of the day, what he did in between the lines. We can handle and figure out everything else. So Marcelo Zuna isn't a pariah or a cancer in the clubhouse. So unless that it just bottoms out, you know, they're not going to DFA him anytime soon. They're probably not going to be able to trade him, okay, which what a lot of people would like to, oh, we can increase his trade value. His trade value is still nothing. He's still a one-trick pony. Still can't he still can't play in the field, still can't steal a base, still doesn't, you know, overall, I mean, his batting average is still 222, even with the 345 that he's hit this month. But dare I say that he's looking at a player of the month kind of kind of numbers, right? I mean, those are good numbers. I mean, I don't care who you are. Eight homers, 19 RBI, 343, and we're not 
fully at the end of the month yet. We still got a few more days and games to play. Well, really, another week of games to play. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think. But again, this is all good news for the Atlanta Braves. The fact that he's hitting just makes that lineup even deeper. The Braves already have one of the deepest lineups in Major League Baseball. Now with him hitting, and we get Michael Harris on track, we've got a lineup that just can turn it over, right? Just just keep turning, keep turning, keep churning it. I mean, just churn and burn, baby. So, look, it's good news for Marcelo Zuna. It's good news for the Atlanta Braves that, you know, he gets on one of these hot streaks, right? And we see this all the time. And look, I don't know if it's because of the weather warming up, right, where it's consistently getting warmer outside. Some guys really, until the weather warms up, don't play very well, right? I mean, they 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 have their struggles when the weather's cooler and it's, you know, again, whatever. But whatever the reasons are, he's carrying this team offensively. You know, he's been a big part of that. And obviously, Ronnie's been, you know, brilliant. Sean Murphy's been excellent this year. Matt Olson's had a good year. Riley is starting to catch fire. He hit two homers last night. So it's all good news in Braves country as far as what their lineup is. And if we can just figure out our pitching, then we can be okay. Dodd had kind of a mixed bag of a night last night, right? I mean, you know, it was, you know, not very good, but he kind of settled down and, and got through at least five innings to hand it to the bullpen. And we figured out a way to win last night. And Mar Marcelo Zuna was certainly a part of that. So Marcelo's red hot. And don't look now, but he may end up being the player of the month for the month of May in the National League. How crazy would that be with everything surrounding him that he could potentially be the player of the month? Who'd have thunk it, right? All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to our program. So whatever podcast platform that you are on, let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. You listen in five days a week to the show. So we thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you so much for listening in every day of the week. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or ever listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 